It takes more than a great GZIP compression ratio to be a great software engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering Episode 82. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show for software developers about non-technical topics. What is your GZIP compression ratio? Uh, and do you want it about, to be lower or higher? Which is better? Uh, I usually say higher is better, meaning you get better, more compression. So like point, I usually get about 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 for the But doesn't that mean that, that you have less breadth as a human? It means I have less entropy in the code I write. <laughs> it means I repeat myself a lot. Yeah, that's what I mean. It just, <laughs> Dave's stories compress really high because he has like three of them or something. I have a lot of copy-paste uh, utilization. Yeah. <laughs> I, do. I don't really believe in calling functions. I just paste the code. Like, oh, I need that same 12 lines of code again. I'll just paste it here. Why let the compiler inline it when you can inline it? Exactly. I'm way smarter than the compiler. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Should we do a question? Yeah, hit us. Why don't you read the first one today? All right. This is from an anonymous listener. The team recently went through a hard push, which led to a deployment that went badly and caused a stressful situation. Everyone is talented and normally very strictly adheres to the no blame rule. But in the heat of the moment, some harsh comments were thrown back and forth between quite a few engineers. It's been about one week and I can still sense a lot of resentment, lack of motivation and tension across the board that I'm attributing to the event. How would you recommend blowing off steam after messy situations? and addressing widespread interpersonal missteps within a team. Hmm. Have you tried turning it off and back on again? The team? <laughs> yeah. Does that mean firing them all and getting an entirely <laughs> new team? What does that mean? Yep. Oh. No, definitely not that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Have you ever watched that show Arrested Development? Oh, yeah. Do you remember the Forget Me Now pills? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you take enough of those, you can just forget this whole thing ever happened. What if you just cancel Mondays for a while until the team gets better? <laughs> those are some perverse incentives, though. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I heard if we yell at each other, we get Mondays off for three months. <laughs> I, I feel like in sports movies, when there are moments of tension in the locker room, there's usually one beloved charismatic or, or sometimes it's a beloved but not charismatic person who speaks up and gives an inspirational speech and then someone else stands up and slow claps and then it ends in, <laughs> in chanting. <laughs> you are, you know, for someone who's not really into sports or sports movies, you have this incredible ability to boil down sports movies to their essence. <laughs> I'm secretly into sports culture, but I don't watch sports. I, I don't know why. Yeah. You're kind of meta into sports. I guess. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I like the stories. And and that definitely works every time I've seen it attempted. <laughs> I just love it when you say, you know how in sports movies <laughs> it's it's always great. Like it's I don't know why it makes me feel it trope. makes me feel really good. <laughs> it's because sports movies are inspirational and now you're inspired. That's right. I'm I'm like reliving the final scene of Rudy every time you yeah. start talking about him. It's it's like how people put gifts in their talk and then they don't have to think up jokes. It's oh, like, like they just I, throw out a t-shirt? Yeah, like they oh, just gif. put a gif no, in. I'm Everyone, sorry. <laughs> oh, okay, I thought, did I, I thought have, you Dave, do I have to pronounce it jif? Oh my goodness. <laughs> don't make me do that. You said, I thought you said gift. Oh. <laughs> like, like throwing out presents to the audience. No, I, I haven't stooped that low, but I have thought, I need a joke here and I can't think of one. 
This cat does something really stupid, though, so I'll put it in here. <laughs> Everyone will laugh. They'll think I'm funny. It's kind of like that, where if you need to inspire people, but you're not inspiring, just show Rudy and then say, yeah. now go and close those Jira tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Slow clap. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the Tom Dale Twitter post about how we pronounce GIF or JIF? I did not. And he said, if you pronounce it GIF, then you also need to say JFEG. <laughs> because the P and JPEG stands for photography or photographical or something. Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh. So yes, you need to say GIF. Okay. <laughs> and or, or, or JFEG, you know, whichever you want. I'll just never say either of those words ever again. Yeah. <laughs> just spell them out. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, that was way off topic. How dare you? <laughs> It's because we're avoiding this question because it's hard. Interpersonal conflicts hard <laughs> between two people are hard to resolve. And if it's multiple people, if it's a web of interpersonal conflicts, yes, uh, that ends in Game of Thrones. <laughs> this, is, this is interpersonal conflict at scale. Yeah, yeah, that's called war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, this is tricky. Oh, man. Have you seen this before? I have seen it at small scale, one-on-one, one-on-one-on-one, but never like quite a few. I'm going to assume this is a, a good chunk of the team here. Yeah, the question asker says quite a few engineers. I, I've seen it also one-on-one, and I've seen it kind of where there are two teams, not necessarily company teams but two two groups that have aligned themselves and they're kind of throwing accusations or, or grumpiness back and forth i don't know that i've Let's ever just seen this call them complex. the dev team and the ops team <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but i or the dev team and the qa team or wait it could be the dev team and insert any other team <laughs> sales what's marketing that, whatever what's that phrase about if you meet a jerk in the morning they might be a jerk and if you meet a jerk in the afternoon, you might be the jerk. Yeah, <laughs> if you meet 10 more jerks that day. Yeah, yeah, but but I haven't seen this web where lots of people are all mad at lots of different people. Yeah, yeah, so I, I'm just trying to imagine what happened here uh, during this deployment that went badly. Like, is it some guy who was like, you, your crappy code caused this bug, and they're like, yeah, well, you deployed the wrong version, and, and then like seven other people each have accusations. Yeah, like, well, you're the one that tossed. deleted all those tests because they were too slow, and... <laughs> well, you made it so we couldn't roll back with your home world deploy system instead of just using this off the shelf one and <laughs> and your schema migration yeah oh man i mean it's like that must have been what happened and it's just like it must have just been an extraordinary pile of problem after problem after problem and people just started getting really to'd it it seems like the core of it has to be some kind of customer or user affecting situation that that the dev team got the blame for so something went bad yeah, definitely either the customer or the boss or someone was like you all screwed it up big time and then they're all kind of feeling that pressure and, and feeling bad about that like bouncing the blame around like a pinball yeah yeah in the team yeah. and i mean i could even see it not necessarily trying to avoid blame but saying what happened why why did this go so poorly and then someone's like well this person did thing x which sucked and so the the question asker says it it's been a week and uh, they can still sense a lot of resentment. Where is the retrospective on this thing? Mm. I mean, retrospective is like where all the grievances can be safely aired. You can find the root causes and you can pin the blame 
on the real issues instead of on the people. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping that they haven't had a retrospective yet and that it wasn't a retrospective that actually caused the Yeah, blow up. yeah. That was the <laughs> blow up. I've talked about the retrospectives we had at Kuali before, but it's been a while. Those were the most raw and personal and open things I've ever been a part of professionally. You, you like bared your soul to this group and they all bore their souls to you. And, and be, because of kind of this very intense vulnerability and openness that was really uncomfortable some of the time, we were able to address, um, address some difficult issues with uh, an, a, an attitude, I guess, of, of learning and growing and improving instead of blaming. And it was really uncomfortable and I would leave and be exhausted afterwards, but wow. it, it helped head off some pretty serious issues and it helped resolve some issues. And that team trusted and liked each other, even if they were sometimes mad at each other for things. And I think if you, if you mm -hmm. have that underlying stability, it's something you can resolve with, with some pretty uncomfortable open conversation. If the team is already not big fans of each other, that might just backfire, but... Because I think if, if one person sabotaged it, it would have all broken down. Mm -hmm. If one person just mm -hmm. like threw out sarcastic comments or, or kind of blew it off. or But everyone was pretty committed to it and it worked really well. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And and those were not like post-mortem retrospectives. Those were like once every few months, everyone gets together and just kind of yeah gives feed gives open feedback to everyone yeah it was kind team, of like right? a 360 review but uh all all done together and there are trade-offs there i mean there, there might be things you wouldn't want to say to someone's face or in front of a group um but the kind of feedback w we got was was really helpful and it brought the team together i mean our our ceo sat in and was part of it he didn't just sit in and observe he was he was part of it and i I remember distinctly, I gave him some very uncomfortable feedback once about a thing that kind of bothered me. That was kind of like a, a, a tricky thing to give feedback in, but because of the atmosphere, mm -hmm. it, it just, it just went really well and was well received. And, and I had the same thing happen to me a few times as well. So what you described was a very special situation and I've never seen anything like that at a company before. And I'm going to guess that this team is not going to be able to make that happen now. <laughs> Maybe not ever. Yeah. People react to hurt feelings very differently. There are some people that are very openly offended and then they very openly mm -hmm. work through those feelings. And there are also some people that just say, oh, it's fine. And then they quit six months later and then they tell mm -hmm. their friends about how horrible your company is or your team was because of this thing that they they didn't really want to bring up and address openly. So I think to solve it, you have to make sure that as much as you can, that that the people who don't talk easily about this kind of thing also feel like it's been addressed or resolved. Not just the people that are like the, the radical honesty people that are like, I'm mad. I'm going to say I'm mad. Mm -hmm. When I've been in situations that required or that were resulted from uh, hurt feelings and harsh words being exchanged, I have found that all it usually takes is one person, even in a somewhat larger group, to uh, become the humble party and apologize, like sincerely apologize for what they did wrong. And what I've noticed is that most people respond really positively to that. 
where one person is obviously putting themselves out there, apologizing for what they did wrong, not demanding an apology from anyone else. And uh, the reactions that I see when I've done that are that people are usually very quickly, uh, they let go of their defensive position and start pointing out the things they did wrong as well and, and offering their own apologies. It's kind of this contagious behavior um, that happens when one person initiates it. Have you ever seen that before? Yeah, I have been married for a while and that describes <laughs> <laughs> the resolution of every argument I've ever had as a married person. Um, <laughs> Where you apologize. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Just I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am no saint. Both both parties, I assume, have demonstrated this. Yep. And I don't want to see numbers of who's done more because I think I'd be sad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the good news is if you are a manager or a team lead, you get have the most to apologize for. <laughs> so you can start this <laughs> because ultimately it's your responsibility. And and even if you weren't the one that, I don't know, committed the buggy code or 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 made the database migration fail or whatever, um, that's still the reason you're the manager or team lead. So ultimately yep. you can you can kind of take that burden upon yourself and help the team open up and resolve things a little bit. Not only that, but in this situation, it is totally incumbent on you to do this as the team lead. And if your lead isn't doing this in this situation, they are absolutely not doing their job yeah. right now. Yeah, that's that's why they exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're just... They're, this is why they call it people manager. Yeah. <laughs> this is the people part. Yeah, yeah. There is a risk... There is a risk as a team lead that you'll come in and play the apologetic role and that other people will um, pattern match off of that, not because they sincerely think or want to do it, but because they're trying to avoid getting in trouble. You know, th these kinds mm -hmm. of sensitive situations require delicate, careful leadership. And if you just come right in with the self-deprecating, apology-spewing attitude, you could easily create a false uh apology reciprocation mm -hmm. that's an far for those of you that are following the acronyms at home aha <laughs> okay i should write a book about that yeah i'll wait B for business it. erotica yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway um i i would say that as a lead you probably don't want to just uh start with the apology thing and be like hey it's all my fault you know yada yada but I do think it's uh, it behooves you as the lead to get a good post-mortem process going here and establish very important ground rules of we are not here to blame anyone. We're here to find solutions to prevent this from ever happening again, which is the one thing we can all agree on, you know, that we don't want to repeat this, you know, and, and if that is the objective, I think you can, and you lead the team carefully toward that, I think that the outcome will be that they're working together again toward a unified positive outcome, and that can help smooth over a lot of the issues. Yeah, I think establishing a feeling of safety is the key to resolving this. And I think that's the point of my rambling earlier about our, our kumbaya circle mm -hmm. at Kuali. It was, is, um, we worked really hard to establish a feeling of safety and that enabled us to resolve problems. For you, the, the way you do it might look differently, but the underlying feeling of safety, I think, will enable people to back down and to empathize and see other people's positions and to let go of grudges and, and forgive because really if if people have said mean things to each other then they they need to forgive each other or they'll just still be hurt yep 
uh, I like how you talked about um, emphasizing it's not about assigning blame or, or uh, blaming people. And that's another thing that you can do as a team lead is you can, you can tell them um, no one's getting fired for this if that's the case. I mean, don't tell. Yeah, yeah. Don't say that if it's not the case because that's <laughs> no one's way getting worse. Fired this, except John. <laughs> yeah, but but I think if it's a genuine process or or organizational failure, it's generally firing someone is not a good solution for that. And yeah, you can make sure that's understood. Um, some people might not have that implicit understanding, even if you feel like everyone yes. does. So. Yes, make it explicit and clear. Yep. Cool. And then when you're all done, what you do is you get everyone together outside on a green field. You all hold hands. And then in a big long line, the person at the end of the line starts twisting in place. And everyone wraps around them (laughs) slowly (laughs) until you form a giant human cinnamon roll. (laughs) The ultimate team building exercise. I saw your note about cinnamon roll team building exercise, and I thought it was about bringing cinnamon rolls into the office. (laughs) This is infinitely better. (laughs) Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) Have you ever wondered what it's like to be hugged by 30 people? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And let me just tell you from personal experience, it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That also is probably specific to a team. I don't know if that generally applies, but... The cinnamon, you think the cinnamon roll isn't a general solution? <laughs> you know, if we could only get all the world's leaders together in a line, <laughs> someone at the end, but then it'd be like this big battle over who gets to be who, in the yeah. end and who's on the outside. And then they'd bring armies and all start wars about it. And, <laughs> and then we'd have to do another retrospective. <laughs> yeah. Then we'd need a bigger cinnamon roll. The armies included. It's just cinnamon rolls all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like we gave vague guidelines a little bit more than very concrete tactical steps, but definitely you need to address it. Yeah. I don't know why I'm saying this. I think I just feel bad about how we didn't say, here are the five steps you take to do it first, do this, then that. <laughs> oh, you mean like we usually give very clear, specific <laughs> <laughs> guidelines? <laughs> the good news is there's entire libraries full of pop psychology and self-help books helping (laughs) deal with interpersonal conflicts so uh just read those maybe we should just say if it gets too hard to deal with you can just quit your job (laughs) (laughs) there's a concrete guideline yeah yeah like i don't know people resign sometimes if there's a disgrace in their organization you just just use this yeah fall on your sword and fall upwards to a a raise One way or another, this this situation will get resolved. Either your manager will do nothing, it will stagnate, and the people will <laughs> quit because they can't stand it anymore. Yeah, the team will Or fail. it will come to a head. And uh, either way, we'd love to hear about it. Mm-hmm. All right, should we read the next question? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, good luck. I'll read this one. It says, Hi, Jameson and Dave. I love the show. It's quickly become one of my favorite podcasts. My question is about dealing with a colleague, Barry, not his real name who intentionally writes unreadable, poorly architected, uncommented code to maintain his job security. His reasoning is that if he's the only one who understands this functionality, he can never be fired. He freely admitted to me that this was his strategy. 
I find that my productivity slows to a crawl when I get into his code, and he is pretty unhelpful when I come to him with questions about his code. Should I try and address this with him one-to-one, or go to my manager or his manager? Uh, so Barry's not his real name. I found a website where you can type in a word and it'll rearrange the letters in that word in all the different possible combinations <laughs> in case that's how they disguised his name. So it could Is be it Rarby. It's not anagrams because ah, they don't have to be real words, I guess. Don't anagrams have to be real words? Yeah. Rarby, Raber, R-E-B. That's almost like Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I guess what I mean is if we uncover Barry's real identity, then we can Google him and find out all kinds of stuff about him and then get to the root <laughs> of the issue. <laughs> That'll help us. Okay. You know, I, um, I actually, oh, I just thought of a nice headline for this situation. You've heard of the phrase security through obscurity, right? Yeah. Isn't it where you try and make something secure, not by protecting it, by but by kind of hiding or obfuscating parts of it? Yeah, exactly. So this is job security through obscurity. Hmm. Get it? <laughs> Make your code I, obscure and no one can fire you. <laughs> Barry is like a human punchline. This is this is <laughs> an old joke that people tell a lot that I've never actually seen 100% in reality, but he he is it. He exists. He's the reason that joke exists, I guess. Yep. Barry is acting as the CEO of Barry Incorporated, not as a member of the team <laughs> or an employee of the company that he works for. Okay. And Barry Incorporated has much different incentives than the team he works on or the company he works for. And I, I don't think he's doing a very good job of being a member of the team, even though he thinks he's doing a good job of being CEO. Of Barry Incorporated. Yeah, it just it feels, if, if this is genuinely how he feels, I mean, first of all, are you sure this isn't a joke? He could just be making a joke and also bad at his job. <laughs> um, in some side comments, the writer, the listener wrote that he said, Barry said these things half joking, but made it clear that he actually wasn't joking. <laughs> there, I, there's a kernel of truth in a lot of jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a bad situation. Um, he can never be fired. Are you sure? <laughs> Sounds like he's trying to find out. <laughs> Sounds like a challenge. <laughs> uh, so the thing I meant, the reason I talked about the CEO thing is because his job as a member of the team is to build the product and make it easier for the team to work on the product. And he is 100% not doing that. It's, it sounds like it's kind of a nightmare to work with his stuff. Uh, and it's harmful to the team, which is the opposite of what you want an employee. And if he's aware of this and doing it on purpose, that's that's pretty malicious. That's not just like, haha, I'm I'm trying my best and sometimes it's not good enough. It's like I'm sabotaging other people to look good. Yeah, that's crappy. Yeah, yeah, that's real bad. But he is maximizing shareholder value in Barry Incorporated. That's true. But Barry Incorporated is a subsidiary of anonymous <laughs> listeners company. So <laughs> <laughs> Um, they could just dissolve that company. <laughs> Probably not. That means they would murder Barry. <laughs> I don't I think, think they that's could what just, would happen. Uh, they could just write Barry, Barry Incorporated off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, pro- okay. I think the metaphor is they would sell Barry Incorporated. For zero dollars. 
Yeah, for zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly even negative dollars if they give severance. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I were this the manager of this team and wind of this self-preservation technique got to me and I had confirmation that it was legit, I would be having a really hard conversation with Barry. Absolutely. If I found out that one of my team members was intentionally sabotaging the rest of the team, because that's what this amounts to, in order to preserve his own job, it would be a very hard conversation for Barry. Yeah. There's not very many questions we get where I think the answer is, yeah, this person should be fired. But this one feels kind of like that, honestly. Yeah. That's that's not... That's not what a professional does, and that's not someone I would want to work with. And if I were running a team, that's not someone I would want on my team. Oh, yeah. Imagine the productivity drain that this is imposing on the rest of your team. Yeah. Like, it would literally be better to just pay Barry to do nothing (laughs) than to write this code. Now, that's not entirely true, though. And this is where the nuance of this situation comes in, because here we have a team member who's been on the team for quite some time, this is from side comments that we edited out, and produces perceived value for the customer, but its long-term value is stifled by the fact that it's hard for anyone else to maintain or extend. And so that that's where you get into these weird cognitive dissonance situations because management is like, oh yeah, we love Barry. He always produces the results we need. He yeah. uh, Customers love his stuff, his work, he's fast. Um, and once in a while we get some gripes about him, but you know, they're just jealous or whatever. You know, you can, as a manager, you can always justify why your top performer, um, you know, deserves a special, special treatment. Yeah, that's true. And this is a constant gripe that engineers have of like, well, we, we need to make things cleaner and better on the back end. And there's this one cowboy coder who just does all the stuff that looks good to customers, like yeah but also that's kind of your job (laughs) yeah yeah um so balancing balancing product and feature work with the long-term health of the code base is one of the hard engineering trade-offs and this this question does kind of say like it's all bad but i imagine the stuff barry works on is important and valuable i so i've never all bad right yeah i've worked with people who have not been as deliberate as it seems like barry is but who have definitely done this where they work on important things uh kind of they own it because no one else wants to touch it and it's useful and important to the product and also it's just not not great for the team uh one of them the person got let go but it was a hard decision to make because they were they were a good team member in a lot of ways it just came down to at at the point the team was at we needed the long-term productivity more than the short-term productivity Mm, that this team member provided but that was not true the whole lifetime of the team. Earlier on in the team's life and in the product's life, we, we kind of explicitly made that trade-off. We, we looked at this person's code and kind of grimaced, but also it, it achieved a business need. So mm-hmm. yep, it could be that now is the time that you are not willing to make that trade-off anymore. Or it could be mm-hmm. you're still leveraging technical debt. You're still using that to buy time or customer happiness yeah yeah i have a question here how did i dang it dave i started off this question saying barry should be fired what am i doing 
And then you talked yourself into maybe I can talk myself into and out of everything. (laughs) Ugh. Hmm. What would Jack Welch do? He'd make a swift decision. Isn't that the famous grizzled like GE manager guy? Oh, yeah. Rings a bell. Yes. Of course he would make a swift decision and never question it. Yeah. And it'd usually be to fire at someone if this question was, should we fire this person or not? No, of course. (laughs) Default to the fire. (laughs) Yeah, that's what grizzled people do. So you're saying Barry is a valued member of this team. (laughs) (laughs) Barry is not a valued member of this team. Barry involves complex trade-offs. And (laughs) the long-term, I think the long-term value of Barry is probably negative. Just Mm -hmm. like the long-term value of a loan from the bank is negative. But if you can use that loan and invest it or build a business that will pay you back more than the, the mm. cost of the loan, then it's worth it. It sounds like to this person, it might not seem worth it anymore. If the right. manager is not aware of this, then you should probably help make them aware. If they are aware, they might feel it is worth it, even if there are some problems. There you go. Every possible outcome in a little Punnett square there for you. <laughs> <laughs> aware, unaware. <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah, it is hard. Okay, I'm going to walk back my blanket. This person should be fired statement. I'm going to unequivocally equivocate and say it depends <laughs> on where the product and the and the company is. But if it's a mature product or if there are stability issues or if you're trying to bring a lot of other people into this code base, uh, I think it's it's worth. So no matter what, you should talk to him, right? But mm-hmm. the, the, Talk to Barry? Yeah, talk to Barry. Like, for sure, as, he should not be doing Barry's this on purpose. As Barry's coworker or as Barry's manager? It's a good question. Do you think it's appropriate to bring something like this up directly to a person? Well, they already had a conversation about it, and Barry kind of laughed it off. You know, like all terrible behavior, Barry's like, oh, I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Every, everyone is just kidding about everything they do that's bad. Yeah. When they're, you know, caught. My impression from that was that wasn't, a, a deliberate conversation about it. It was kind of like yeah, water cooler yeah. talk. Like, you'll never guess what goofy hijinks I do with the code. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to bet that you'll have a hard time cornering Barry on this issue. Yeah. I think he'll deflect it. You know, you'll, you'll want to bring it up seriously. Hey, Barry, I want to go back to that conversation where you told me you deliberately obfuscate your code to make it hard for others to read and maintain. He's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> funny, huh? <laughs> I got you good. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I want to know. As a Barry, as a person who aspires to be Barry, how do you even do this? Like, I have such a hard time deliberately making my code hard to read and hard to maintain. Like, how do you create hard to maintain code? Like, everyone does it. Everyone knows what it's like to read other people's hard to maintain code. But how do you deliberately produce hard to maintain code? Like, is that easy for you? (laughs) And if it's easy, do you recognize... How do you do it and recognize that you're doing it instead yeah, of just saying... Exactly. Usually when, I, when I'm when t- i attempting to create easy-to-maintain code, I go back a month later and look at it and go, this isn't easy to maintain at all. Yeah. So how yeah. do you do the... Where you're actually trying to make hard-to-maintain code? I just... Uh, maybe it's, you could just like, like rename all your variables wrong or something. I think what you're saying is Barry is actually the most talented developer on this team. It's like he Bingo. has <laughs> another level of productivity because you have to be able to write maintainable code to be able to write deliberately unmaintainable code. Bingo. Because otherwise, how do you know you're not just creating maintainable code? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
This guy's on a whole other plane, people. So promote Barry. That's right. Barry, <gasps> ooh, Barry's ooh. a straight shooter. He gets stuff done. He delivers. I know you were joking. I know you're joking about promoting Barry, but if you promote Barry, you might solve this problem. You I don't want to I mean? live in that world. <laughs> 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 Where he's not writing code anymore. Bingo. What, he's going to make unmaintainable Trello cards, though. <laughs> <laughs> Barry, this flowchart is pure spaghetti. I know, right? <laughs> You'll never replace me. done so me. fast, though. <laughs> no one no can one decipher can my Gantt charts. Yes. <laughs> I am the Dakota ring. Yeah. But I do think you do need to ask yourself a very important question. Are you sure his code is actually hard to maintain, or is it just you? Oh, and I've struggled with this before where I read one person's code and I think this stuff is clean, it's great, easy to follow, clear-cut separations of concerns. But then I read someone else's and I think this is terrible. But maybe someone else, through their eyes, it doesn't seem so terrible. So what I would do is start a petition where you take around a list of signatures and you give someone a snippet of Barry's code and ask them if it's maintainable and clean. And then if they agree that it's not, have them sign a petition. And then take that petition to the White House. No way, that's probably too high. I don't know. I don't know where to go from here. Uh, it sounds kind of like a, a mob. That's the end goal. <laughs> mob justice. Where you, like with pitchforks and torches? Yeah, yeah. You gather okay. up enough disgruntled developers. They all show up at Barry's office. I don't know. Barry okay. gets turned out. <laughs> turned out? Yeah, like thrown out the door. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know. Tough situation. But uh, but I still stand behind our original assertion. If this guy is intentionally obfuscating his code to weaken the productivity of other developers on his team, then his manager needs to know about it, and it's a big deal, in my opinion. Yeah, this that's like true. like self-preservation. There, there's worst. a very big difference between cowboy coding to, to crank stuff out the door really fast and doing a, a poor job on purpose so that other people can't work in your code base and be productive. Um, mm -hmm. And when I when I equivocated, I was kind of a little bit more on the cowboy coder side, but the deliberate malicious stuff is, that's bad. That's real bad. I've, yep. I've also seen in action people who can never be fired get fired. Uh, and it turns out it's fine. <laughs> people who are irreplaceable <laughs> yep. uh, often are actually replaceable. It yeah, might be a almost one hundred percent of the time. Yeah, but but it, it's amazing what people can do when uh, when when the team loses an important but also mm -hmm. tricky person. Virtually no one is that important and irreplaceable. I mean, I've seen everything from the founding scientist who literally patented the idea the whole company was based on get let go, and the company was fine. Yeah, you know, key engineering personnel. Company was fine. Yep. People uh, that have everything me. in their head, <laughs> even Dave, <laughs> people that have this complex system built all in their head, none of it documented. Turns out you can figure it out. That's right. And sometimes letting that person go is just what the doctor ordered for everyone else to figure out this complex system and simplify yep. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you shine some light on it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think we better end before I flip-flop yet again. <laughs>
You'd make Dave. a great presidential politician political. <laughs> I can't even can't even say the words. <laughs> I couldn't even convince my mouth to say that about you. Sorry. Yeah. Your body is averse to uttering that phrase as it should be. <laughs> Dave, what can people do if they want their own questions answered? Go to softskills.audio, as so many of you have done this week. Thanks for all the incoming questions. We really appreciate the insight into your worlds. And we love hearing the questions you have and the struggles you're having. We're sorry you're having struggles, but we're here to help. Go to softskills.audio, click ask a question. There's a form there where you can remain anonymous if you choose, or you can give us more details, however much you like. Some of our writers, people writing in, have taken some great liberty with how to pronounce their names, and we love it. (laughs) It was hilarious. Yeah, y'all are jokesters. We like it. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I think we'll catch you next week. All right, bye-bye.